day to all our listeners. I am JV from the Lighthouse Arabia with you today to cast light on yet another significant wellness topic. To quote Leonard Cohen, there's a crack, a crack in everything. That is how the light comes in. Good day. Uh, welcome again back to Casting Light with JV from the Lighthouse Arabia. Today with me, I have Anna White, our occupational therapist. Um, welcome here with me today, Anna. Thank you so much. I hope everything is good with you. Um, good morning. Good morning. Um, I am well, thanks. Good. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited. I'm glad and thank you for your time that you uh, took to have this conversation with me. Anna, today okay. we are going to discuss high energy children and what we have seen during the pandemic and uh, how to manage and assist those children. Um, I want to ask you if you can maybe uh, explain the concept of high energy children for us to start with. Sure. So I think um, when we're referring to high energy kids, I guess we're referring to kids that might seem to have a little bit more energy than other kids. Um, these might be the kids that are always on the go. You might feel like they have endless energy. Um, maybe you feel that they just never want to relax and sit down. Usually this comes um, becomes quite apparent during things like tabletop tasks or dinner time with the family. We see kids that are maybe fidgeting more than others, rocking on their chair. They just really want to move. Um, and for parents, it sometimes feels like they want to move all the time. <laughs> uh, it sounds like there's a, a, like a motor running inside of these children that, that just never stops, like the energy bunny, go, 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 go. Exactly, exactly. They're on batteries that you just cannot. Sometimes parents tell me that no matter how many movement breaks or extracurricular activities they have them involved in, um, nothing is enough. They just need constant, mm. constant kind of um, vestibular or movement input into that system. Um, which can be quite difficult. We can often find that these kids maybe have a little bit of trouble going to sleep as well because winding down for things like sleep or seated tasks can be a little bit challenging sometimes. So in a normal everyday life, maybe as we knew it, <clears throat> that sounds like it is already a challenge for parents and for those children to fit into a system that maybe expects them like, uh, at dinner times to sit at the table, to wait their turn, to calm down, to be, be more relaxed. What have you noticed during this pandemic with all the restrictions and, and um, changed parameters and um, expectations of children and of, of, of families in general? How has that impacted these high energy children? Um, I think it's been a bit of a challenge. And I think for some parents, they might um, find that, you know, maybe more severe things that they're seeing or excessive movement or excessive behaviors. For other parents, they might feel like there's new behaviors coming up that they've never seen before. Um, but there's lots of different things this can look like. Sometimes it doesn't just look like a, a hyper kid or a child who is really craving movement. 
Sometimes it can look like behavioral outbursts. It can look like tantrums. Um, I'm hearing a lot of refusal to engage in e-learning, attention difficulties. Um, sometimes we'll see a lot of increased screen time. And, and as I mentioned as well, sleeping difficulties. Um, so I guess I, I want parents to think beyond the, the outside, which might just be extra craving, extra movement. It can, it can look like very different things. Um, depending on the child. So if I hear you correctly, there, there seems to be changes in behavior, be it in, in movement, but also mm -hmm. regarding emotional regulation. Uh, where children might uh, um, struggle to regulate these strong emotions due to the changes, due to restrictions, and then also a change in their ability to perform academically or, or in task, task oriented activities, struggling to concentrate and, and keep attention. So there's many facets to their functioning that is being impacted significantly uh, due to this pandemic and how things have, have, have changed. Why is that, Anna? I guess how I always like to explain it to parents is, um, and I think to visualize this is, 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 is quite interesting. And I often do it myself when I'm giving these talks. But if you go back and you think about a child's world pre-COVID times, um, and you think about the sensory systems, you think about all of those different stimulus that was kind of being thrown at them every day. Um, and, and that was a way of regulating their bodies. So think about from the moment they got up in the morning to the hustle and bustle, the rushing, the bus, um, the getting into school, the recess, the rough and tumble play, the movement breaks, the changing seats, um, postural adjust adjustments, all of these different things. So from a child's point of view, they were kind of chipping away, you could say, at that energy all day. And they had so many outlets and opportunities um, to release maybe anything that was built up, whether it be movement or, or stress or any kind of emotion that they were experiencing. Now we kind of throw them into the COVID world, which is really different, um, which doesn't really allow kids to move in school. There's many bubbles or at home if they're doing e-learning. We just cannot compete with the kind of movement opportunities that they used to have. Um, we, we don't have that tactile input that you'd usually have with friends. And for young kids, we know this is so important. We don't have a lot of extracurricular activities going on because a lot of them have been cancelled. So you completely are changing a, a child's world. Um, and as a result, they don't know how to release all of this, these different energy or emotions that are building up inside them. So that's why we might see things like tantrums or behavioural outbursts or um, kids who just cannot seem to sit still because they really need to release it. And, and a lot of the time, kids don't know how to do that. They don't know how to do it with COVID rules. Um, and to be honest, all of us are learning. Parents are learning. Teachers are learning. Therapists are learning. We're trying to learn how we can do this differently. Um, and it is a work in process. And for a lot of kids, it will be trial and error. But when we look at it from a bigger picture, so that's looking at it from the child's point of view. When we look at it from kind of more of a psychological point of view, let's say, um, I divide it into, you know, a, a psychology view and also an environmental. So from a psychological point of view, we have lots of things going on. We have role reversals. You know, we have parents becoming teachers. 
We have lack of interaction that I mentioned with peers. We have a lot of emotions that maybe, you know, you can discuss as well. We have kids who are grieving and, and they're grieving their old life. They're grieving these old activities. They're grieving what they remember to be really fun. Um, we also have an environmental point of view, which is lack of changing routine that I mentioned. Kids are not moving around school anymore. They're not moving around. They're not going out into the community as they used to. There are so many more distractions going on right now. Um, and many parents have come to me about this and they've talked about things like um, increased screen time is a big one, gaming, you name it, everything has just got really excessive because kids had to turn to something else. Um, and I, I guess at the bottom of all that is, is sensory deprivation. We just have, we've deprived kids of the things that they need to regulate in, in, a, in a kind of a functional manner every day, um, but also to learn and to thrive um, because our sensory play is, is just so important. And, and we have to remember, and, and parents out there, I want you to always remember that your child's occupation is to play. So kids learn through play. So when we take away some of that, we're, we're taking away a huge part of their identity, um, but also how they behave and engage with, um, with their day. To, to just quickly summarize, mm -hmm. the change that children possibly have experienced is on multiple levels, one being movement, being um, restricted. So the rough and tumble, the playing to, to express and release and chip away at energy that has been eliminated to a large extent for them. So that outlet is not there. Mm -hmm. The change in daily routine, um, which, which requires different ways of relating, different ways of engaging and, and co-regulating also in a way. Each time I encounter someone else, there is a co-regulation that happens between us. That's been taken away. So the day is, is, is a long, boring day where there's not constant or, 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 or regular change to keep the system just going and, and then helping the system process. That's the other thing that I've heard um, listening exactly. to is that the processing of experiences is way more difficult as their natural way of processing had mm -hmm. to change. Mm -hmm. Then what I also hear is that the normal development that happens through specific ways of learning, of playing, that has been inhibited. So what the system is designed to do and to, and to, to thrive towards, um, it sounds almost like that has been stunted in a certain way. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important for all of us to realize if we as adults have found this time so challenging to regulate, the anxiety, the fears, the adjustments. And we have other developed ways um, as adults to cope with life. A, a child does not have that. And all the, the normal, spontaneous, natural ways, specifically for a high energy child, that has been taken away. Mm -hmm. Now this whole system is overwhelmed and, and doesn't know how to manage and how to deal with this experience. 
Yeah. And I, and I think I'd like to jump in there and say that, you know, some parents out there might be listening um, today and think, you know, is there something wrong with my child? You know, how come some of the other kids don't need this kind of movement and um, they're not behaving in this way? But we have to remember that every child has their own preferences when it comes to sensory patterns. Some kids really don't need that much movement to thrive. Some kids need movement to maintain regulated and engaged during the day. Um, and, and there are many different kinds of patterns. So there's, not, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with your child. And actually, I want parents to see it as a kind of a form of communication. If your child is engaging in um, excessive movement, they are doing that so that they can regulate their body so that they can actually listen to you and they can engage in activities. Because if we try to completely restrict that, we're going to see those other behaviors that I spoke about at the start that we don't want to see the tantrums, the outbursts. Um, so I just want to kind of have a, 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 mind, a mind shift change here that it is a communication that we're seeing, um, but we need to get in there and maybe model it a little bit better and, and teach kids how can they get this sensory input in a more appropriate way. So we do not need to punish that behavior as it is not bad okay. behavior it's no. an attempt at regulating mm -hmm. it's a normal for for those high energy children it's a normal reaction to a totally abnormal circumstance exactly. and to see it as that and meet them in that as you say they're trying to communicate that they are trying to regulate but finding it difficult and therefore what what helps them regulate they will do more of as the challenge becomes uh, bigger, they will manifest and present more of those behaviors in an attempt. Exactly. And, and then the, the, the invitation for parents to meet them in that and exactly. model better ways. Okay. Mm -hmm. To model better ways, what, what advice or guidance would you like to give parents regarding what to do with high energy yeah. children in this time? Mm -hmm. I'd like to touch on a few different points. And I think I've already given my first one and that is really, we need to show a little bit of empathy and we need to see the behavior as a communication. And I always say to parents and any parents who have ever been to any of my parenting talks will know that I will always say that it starts with you. So before we try and fix anything with the kids, we need to look after ourselves and we need to go back to, you know, how am I as an adult understanding what's going on right now um, and how am I responding to my child when they engage in these different behaviors because you need to check in with yourself first and you need to really understand am I understanding that this is communication right now um, so when you have done that there are a few points that I would love to share first up would be routine management now we all thrive on our routines and sometimes we forget that kids also thrive when they have a really nice, stable, concrete routine set up. Um, now this does not mean that it's not flexible. Of course, we want to bring in some flexibility, but it does mean that we need to have some anchors during the week. We need to have some kind of consistency so that kids can mentally prepare and that expectations are there in place. Um, so I would ask parents out there to create a routine for your family um, and join forces here. Don't dictate with the kids. You know, I promise you that 
if you involve your kids in some way um, or, or form or shape of this, that they will definitely be more engaged. Um, chunk your time very effectively at home. So if your kids are going to school right now, there needs to be that morning hour that has a routine behind it. There needs to be that after school routine is in place. And of course, the sleeping schedules and routine are set up properly. We might want to prioritize movement breaks when we're building this routine. Um, I'll always say to parents that never use movement breaks as a reward. So lots of parents use reward systems at home. Um, and when their kids have certain things done like chores or homework, then they will get their movement break. But movement breaks are not something that we wanna put into this system because I promise you that the day that your child needs that movement break the most, they're not going to earn any kind of points. Um, because they really need it. That is a need, that is a functional need that we need to build in. So I would say to parents, have movement breaks in place for your kids, especially during homework times. And I'm talking about every 20, 25 minutes, and this might be less for younger kids as well. Um, it's really important that we build in those movement breaks and prioritize them. It doesn't have to be, you know, your typical movement breaks of jumping jacks and running around the garden. It can be simple things like moving around the house, bringing something from one room to the other, et cetera. But movement is so important. And we all know that movement counteracts fear as well. So from a mental health point of view, movement really has a lot of benefits. Um, so routine is really, really important for me. So, so far we have number one that I've mentioned that, and that is really to have empathy and, and look at your kids' behavior, starting with yourself. Second point is routine management. That's the foundation that we need to work on. Next up, I would say would be environmental adaptations. So how do we want to change what you have going on at home? Now, we don't want to change it too much. And remember, it has to work for your family. But for kids that have a lot of high energy and might be quite distracted by different things around them, we really need to make sure that their space and their environment is organized it's decluttered, there's a schedule in place, tying it in with the routine that I just mentioned. Um, we really want to be mindful of things like what kind of distractions do they have in their space? And, and this is really especially for those parents out there that are doing home learning at the moment, because that space will be really, really important for your child. And having those outlets to engage in movement breaks away from that study space will be really important. Okay, um, next I would say we really need to have a look at our movement. What are those kind of movements? And I want you guys to walk away today with kind of an idea of what can I actually do? All these general strategies are great, but we need, we need really concrete information on what you can do. So as a therapist, when I explain to parents about movement breaks, I want you to think of different kinds of activities can do different things to the body. And this is very individual for each child. Um, but in general, we have some key points to take away. And that is that cardio and fast moving things wake up our brains. So for your child who might need energy, um, but also for your child who might need to become a little bit more alert, those kind of busy, busy activities can be quite alerting. So what are busy activities? These can be things that are jumping, running, sprinting, anything that is quite fast paced um, can, be, can be quite alerting. And high energy kids need bursts of those things. Sprinting is probably one of the biggest one, but anything from 
jogging on the spot to shaking your body to doing push-ups, all of those things. Um, but what we also have to remember is for kids with high energy, sometimes they need different activities to settle them down. And that's where one of my favorite activities comes in and that is called heavy work. So what am I talking about when I say heavy work? Heavy work is muscle work. It's work that calms down our body and gets it ready for learning. So if you're an adult who goes to the gym, you'll know that if you do weights, a lot of people say it reduces stress and it really does. We're hitting into those different things, areas and systems in our body that release the hormones to relax and, and kind of get rid of some of that things that are building up inside us. So the same approach I want you to use with kids. Now, I don't expect your kids to be lifting heavy weights, but when I talk about heavy work, anything that involves pushing, pulling, lifting, so moving around the furniture in your house, watering the plants with a heavy um, watering can, um, we could do some wall push-ups, um, we can do tug-of-war um, in the garden, we can do animal walks, all of those different things provide a lot of resistance and push-pull activities. So I would always recommend them for our high energy kids. And remember that it's, it's okay you doing them at home, but you really need to get their teacher involved as well because sensory input needs to be consistent and it needs to be done throughout the day, not just at home and not just at school. So another tip for you parents out there would really be to get teacher involved. That will really do wonders for you. Um, and they would probably be my key tips. So I'll just fly over and, and I do want to summarize that as well. So we have a few different things that I've mentioned. And as I said, it always starts with the parent. So it starts with you. I really want you to, to kind of tap in and see this behavior as a communication. Secondly, I want you to look at routine management. Next, the environment itself. And lastly, creating those sensory opportunities um, for your kids. So I'll, I'll hand it back to you. Any questions or maybe you want to summarize a bit more? Um, thank you, Anna. I think what stood out for me is the realization of, of the different functions of movement. Um, thinking of high energy children, I've always thought that to let them just get rid and, 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 and express and release some of of the energy um, is, is sufficient. Mm -hmm. But listening to you and hearing how hard work calms down the system, and I've experienced it in my uh, younger days, working out, lifting weights, that afterwards I felt more grounded, calmer, um, well, tired as well, but not as, as, as strained and almost like a rubber band um, being wound up, way more ready to engage in focused work. I think yeah. for me, that has been a, a eye opener um, to add to the regime of how to assist. And I think is, it's not how do I treat or how do I um, manage or how do i react to my high energy child how do but how do how do i assist mm -hmm. um acknowledging what my child is trying to to convey to me and what mm -hmm. they are trying to um 
do through these behaviors that we notice that behind that is an attempt to regulate an attempt to perform optimally and that I shouldn't punish that or I should not use what they actually need as a reward. It was almost like saying, if you are good, you may eat and you may sleep and you may go to the washroom. Those are basic functions that need to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And that exactly. this is a basic need of a high energy child. Mm-hmm. So in order for me to assist him or her to function optimally, I need to provide that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that you also mentioned that it all the care and the assistance all starts with the parent. Because mm-hmm. as I mentioned earlier, it's a process of co-regulation. If I'm not regulated, the chances of my child in our interaction being regulated is slim to none. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think I always say as well that more is caught than thought. So I think it is very important for parents to also show their kids that it works for them too. So as a parent, if you're feeling very stressed or that you have too much energy um, and that everything is just a little bit too much, it's important for you to, to use those kind of, you know, the everyday techniques that we encourage, like deep breathing and um, slowing down our body, but also to try and encourage movement breaks and heavy work and and, and those kind of techniques and trial them with your child. Now, for some kids, they might have their movement breaks and, and they don't need any more. But for kids with excessive energy who are always on the go, sometimes they, they definitely do need those fast paced movement breaks. But often they also need something after that to regulate them, to organize them and, and get back to that just right learning um, window that we need them to have at some points of the day. But definitely, you're right. It always starts with the parent. And then moving broader than that, it starts with the parent, our way of relating to the child, and then realizing my child functions with functions within a larger system that includes the educational system and that there needs mm-hmm. to be that uh, collaboration with a teacher and with the school, if I really want to create a, an optimal environment for my child. Exactly. So it's not, it, it ideally shouldn't be a fragmented system if we really want to support and assist these high energy children, specifically through this time, um, exactly. where their natural environment and, and has been changed um, for all of us. We need to work together. We need to work together as parents, as families, and as educational systems, including the families. Exactly. And this is something I think when we talk about school, you know, our our kind of our sensory system goes like this all day. It goes up and down. And often I will hear parents tell me or teachers tell me that they don't see the same child as um, mom and dad do or vice versa. And often kids have the ability, they're amazing, they can hold it all together in school. Um, And maybe when they come home, then we're seeing the high energy Um, and teacher might not see any of that in school or vice versa. But that's why it's important that we still do those activities and movements during the day so that our children are not holding it all in. And then we're seeing it erupt when they come home. So consistency is key. And that's why I, I really, I think that having that parent teacher relationship running smoothly that everyone's on the same page is really important here. 
The word consistency that you mentioned there, I think is key for all of us in this time as there's so much change and, and sudden change. And life is unpredictable, maybe more so than before, and even more so for these children. Exactly. And I think consistency within the family, within the routine, as you mentioned, um, as a, a family structure, to try and keep things as consistent as possible. And to be able to do that as a parent, the self-care is so important because exactly. it's going to take some, some effort from you as a parent because your child might not function the same way you do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to not expect them then to be able to uh, function the way you do and regulate the way you do and to be able to con- be consistent, therefore, as the parent, again, it goes back to self-care. Self-care, exactly. self-care, to meet the child in the moment where they are and give them what they need in the moment. Exactly. Um, Anna, if, if parents have listened to, to us today and they have implemented the guidelines, the tips that you have given, and they still find difficulty in assisting their children, what should they do? next? I would say they should reach out, um, reach out to therapists who who work with sensory or who specialize um, in sensory integration. um, And really try and because, you know, we can try strategies. But remember that your child is individual. So what might work for a lot of kids may not work for your child might actually do the opposite thing. And that is why parents have to be detectives. But there definitely is a point that sometimes we just need extra help. And it doesn't mean that we need ongoing therapy services. It might just mean that we need a few sessions to better understand how our child is processing and how as parents you can get in there and and support. Often therapists like myself, occupational therapists, we do um, an assessment that will really pinpoint exactly what's going on. These assessments involve parents, but they also involve the school so that as a parent, you can get a very comprehensive view of how is my child functioning at home versus school. And then we can really be detectives and try and work out why are we seeing certain behaviors and what can we do to um, promote the behaviors that we want to see. So I would encourage parents to, 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 to ask for help. Um, because we are here to support people during this time um, and they're welcome to come. Thank you, Anna. I think um, you've mentioned occupational therapy. Um, Just to clarify for for parents maybe, um, if they are in need of assistance and guidance regarding their high-energy children, what, what do occupational therapists offer in uh, comparison to what maybe a, a clinician, a, psych, a psychologist or a psychotherapist offers in, in the guidance and assistance of parents um, of high energy children? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. The role of an OT and psychologist is is very different. However, we do work really closely with with each other. Um, And I think it's very important sometimes, some kids need both. Some kids need a very um, collaborative approach to therapy. 
And sometimes if there's underlying difficulties going on, we need to understand those first. So often kids will go to a psychologist first to have a look at kind of the general cognitive systems and, and what's going on. And then they will come to an occupational therapist. But in terms of a therapy approach and what it actually looks like, um, a lot of what psychologists do will be talk therapy. So we'll be really getting into discussing some of those underlining things that are going on and how your child is functioning from a cognitive point of view. Occupational therapy is very practical and movement focused. So even though we might use a lot of those strategies, we will do it in a practical way. So what activities are, is your child going to engage in and how can we teach these skills through more of a movement hands-on approach? Um, but of course, we do need to tie in with psychology. So um, it is very, very different. And I guess one of the big things that both of us do is that we do work on a play-based model. Because as I said before, we need to play and we need to use a child's primary occupation, which is play, to engage them and teach them the strategies that we want them to learn. Thank you for clarifying that. As I, as I think it's important for parents to to realize that um, a holistic approach is needed. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes these high energy children get a lot of negative feedback from the environment and from the system. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that in turn might um, create some negative views and experiences of self and relationships. And therefore to, to assist in how do I regulate emotionally and the impact of what I find hard to manage with, as well as the practical side of developing ways in better, in, 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 in which to better regulate and manage themselves and for the parents. Um, so thank you for clarifying that, that, that parents have an idea of what to expect and where to go to mm -hmm. for intervention and for assistance. Um, is there anything else or a last word that you want to, to leave our parents that listen to this um, conversation today with um, that you think this is imperative? We have mentioned would, many things. Are there anything else? I would just, I would, I would ask parents out there to give themselves a bit of a break. Um, I think goes back to looking after themselves, but it is a really unprecedented time um, and we're we're going through a period that we've never had to deal deal with before there's no parent guidelines there's no book of instructions unfortunately that we can navigate covid and we can navigate how to manage high energy kids but we are all learning together um, so i would say give yourself a break and, and decrease expectations a little bit we're always saying to step outside your comfort zone but in this case, sometimes we need to stay inside and nurture our comfort zones a little bit. Um, so I would just remind parents that they do need to look after themselves and they do need to understand that these behaviors that they're seeing in their kids are very typical and very common um, and that we can work on it. We just need to give ourselves some time and patience with it. And I thank you very much for your time today. Um, I think this has been a uh, an enlightening conversation for me, um, not just regarding high energy children, but also regarding myself, um, realizing <laughs> um, what I need also as an adult, because there's a part of us that remains the same 
from childhood up until now, our systems need more or less the same, just in a different way, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so looking at children to to use that as a mirror for ourselves to realize, okay, but what am I missing regarding caring for myself? And then to be kind towards myself, towards my children, towards the family system, knowing right. that we are learning and we mm-hmm. should maybe, as you said, lower the expectations and just learn to thrive in, 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 in these unprecedented times. So the outcomes might look different than it would have two years back. Mm-hmm. And to be mindful of that the whole time. So kindness, awareness, mindfulness, seeing behavior as communication. Exactly. To, 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 to attend to, not to react to. Exactly. So thank you very much for your for your your time and your sharing. Um, and I hope that um, this can assist many parents and that we are also here at the Lighthouse um, Arabia Center for Wellbeing. If if there are parents out there who need further assistance um, to please uh, not go through this alone, if you find it difficult to reach out to professional um, assistance and um, take care. Anna, I'm looking at that climbing wall behind you and my mind (laughs) is just running thinking (laughs) therapy, play, maybe, maybe I'll come and join you in a while. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye, Anna.